Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Today, we invite you to tune into our current series, Built for More, Church Beyond the Weekend, where we will see what the Psalms teaches us about how life is enriched when we live and serve in community with our church family. If you have a Bible, I'm going to invite you to open it with me to Psalm 124. Whether you're at home watching us online right now or here in the room, we'd love for you to open your Bible and to follow along. We're continuing in our series, Built for More, uh, Church Beyond the Weekend. We've been taking time in this series to look at the sort of communities that God desires for us to be. As I said earlier, one of our key values here at Woodside is life groups and doing life and living life together. And we kind of have been wanting to talk about the kind of communities that God wants us to be as we do that in this series. And we've been looking at the Psalms together. And this morning we find ourselves in Psalm 124. And so I'm going to take a moment and actually just read uh, Psalm 124 all the way through. And then I'll pray again just for our time in God's Word. And then we'll kind of jump in and study it together. So this is Psalm 124, a song of ascents of David. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, when people rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us up alive when their anger was kindled against us. Then the flood would have swept us away, the torrent would have gone over us, then over us would have gone the raging waters. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth, we have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken, and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Would you pray with me? God, we come again this morning thankful for your word. We are thankful that you are a God who speaks, that you have spoken through your word, and even now you speak through your spirit to encourage us and edify us, to challenge us and call us to be your people. And so as we turn to your word now, God, we pray that you would give us attentive minds, that you would give us soft hearts, that you would give us eager hands, ready to learn, ready to listen, ready to love you more deeply. And so God, we just submit ourselves to the work that you want to do in our hearts this morning. May you be honored by the preaching of your word and by its hearing we ask in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. What are you afraid of? Probably a question that you've faced often in your life. A question probably many of us could answer in a whole variety of ways in this season. What are you afraid of? One of the common realities of the human experience is that we all struggle with fear and anxiety. At some point, we ask that question, what am I genuinely afraid of? However, the reality that we all face fear and anxiety has actually been increasing within our society, not only in the last months, but actually in the last few years. In 2017, the American Psychiatric Association ran a survey of 1,000 U.S. adults 
dealing with the issues of fear and anxiety. And in that poll, they found that nearly two-thirds of U.S. adults were extremely or somewhat anxious about health and safety for themselves and their families, and more than a third of them reported that they were more anxious that year than they had been the previous year. The next year, in 2018, they ran the same poll and found again that there was an increase in those that reported levels of fear and anxiety within their life. Even over the last few months, as we've been dealing with COVID-19, fear and anxiety have again been on the rise within our culture, so much so that it seems that they've almost become embedded within our society, and many find themselves struggling with fear and anxiety on a daily basis. Surveys find that this isn't just the reality of older generations, but actually younger generations are experiencing increased fears of fear and anxiety. Millennials and Gen Zs, those born after the year 1980, report higher levels of anxiety than previous generations. It's becoming a societal epidemic. If you talk to most people, at some point, on a regular basis, they struggle with the realities of fear and anxiety. Everywhere we turn, everywhere we look, we're faced with threats and realities, and it leaves us often confused. I was reminded of this reality of so many. Actually, this just past couple weeks as I was listening to one of my favorite bands, uh, 21 Pilots. And if you've never heard of 21 Pilots, you can thank me later for the introduction that I'm giving you now. But in their breakout album, Blurry Face, Tyler Joseph, the lead singer of the band, wrestles with the reality of his own fear and anxiety, personifying it in a character that he calls Blurry Face. And throughout the album, he wrestles with the reality. On one particular track, he actually really, I think, gives voice to what so many feel today. It's on the song Doubt, and it begins this way with these words. He says, scared of my own image, Scared of my own immaturity, scared of my own ceiling, scared I'll die of uncertainty. Fear might be the death of me. Fear leads to anxiety. Don't know what's inside of me. Joseph in this song gives voice to what many people feel today. That no matter where they look, whether they look inside or whether they look outside, the threat of fear and its Second-hand cousin anxiety seems to be pervasive, and I don't know what to do with those emotions or those feelings. While this is true for us as a whole in society, I think it also begs the question for those of us that seek to follow Jesus, how are we called to relate to the issues of fear and anxiety? If we are following the way and the prince of peace, as we call him, how are we recalled to relate to those feelings? Not only how do we engage them personally, but how do we engage them communally? What sort of communities are we supposed to be when it comes to the issues of fear and anxiety in the way of Jesus? Well, in Psalm 124, we encounter a passage that helps us to think through what sort of community we want to be in relationship to fear and anxiety. 
The psalm is written to be a reminder for the communities of God and how they deal with those issues. If uh, you remember, I've taught you as we've looked through the Psalms, it's always important to read the superscription at the beginning. And so again, we find in Psalm 124 that this is a song of ascents. This is a group of Psalms that are written from Psalm 120 to Psalm 134 that were given to the nation of Israel to be sung as they pilgrimaged to Jerusalem for specific feasts that would happen during the Jewish calendar. And so Psalm 120 through 134 would be sung by communities of God's people while they traveled on their pilgrimages to Jerusalem. They were meant to shape the imagination and shape the very nature of the community of God's people. In Psalm 124, we encounter then a community and a communal song that deals with the issue of fear. And it calls us as the community of God's people to live in such a way in which we're not consumed by fear and anxiety. If we were to maybe summarize the passage that we're going to explore this morning, we might summarize it this way, that with God on our side, we have nothing to fear. With God on our side, we have nothing to fear. Now, I know oftentimes, maybe you came in this morning feeling anxious or struggling with fear and anxiety, and it's hard, and you expect, and someone gets up and says, well, of course, we're God's people. We shouldn't be afraid. And you might be sitting there thinking, that's easy for you to say. You don't know what's going on in my heart. You don't know what I faced this week. You don't know the challenges within my life. And before, we just kind of put this phrase out there as if it's just like this kind of, hey, yeah, everything should be fine. There's nothing to be afraid of. The psalm does not, or does not ignore the realities of life and what we actually face. Don't hear me say, even as we look, don't hear me say this is just some nice, happy Christian sticker that we slap on while we just stuff all our insecurities and anxieties deeper down and hide them. No, the psalm actually invites the community of God's people to be honest with their fears and anxieties, and then work through a process in which they can live in such a way where they are not consumed by fear and anxiety, but actually produce a countercultural sort of community that lives with peace and faith and trust in the Lord. How, you might ask, how can we actually live in that reality? Well, the psalm guides us. It guides us through a very key framework that I think can help us all as communities following after Jesus live free from fear and anxiety and be reminded that with God on our side, we have nothing to fear. So let's step into Psalm 124 and unpack the text together. The psalm begins with a Singular call, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side. I, I love the way the psalm begins, right? It's, it's almost like that worship leader moment where you're like, hey, let's all sing out, and then nobody sings, and then they're like, no, like, really, we got to sing, right? Like, that's how it is. Like, hey, if God was on, wasn't on our side, and then it's like, hey, Israel, pay attention. It's time to actually repeat it after me, and then he repeats the line. And not only does that just for the effect of encouraging them to say it, but he does it for emphasis. The psalm really begins with a reimagining of the past without God's presence. It emphasizes what would life be like if God wasn't on our 
side. What would take place? He kind of begins the psalm with an if-then contrast. If God had not been on our side, then what would happen? Well, the first thing that the psalm notes would happen is that our enemies ultimately would have won. Look at verse 2. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, when people rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us up alive when their anger was kindled against us. The first thing that the psalmist imagines is life, if God had not been on their side, that their enemies, right? He imagines a time where there was a threat against God's people that the enemies would have ultimately won. They would literally have been swallowed up. The second thing he imagines if God had not been on their side is that evil would have overtaken them. Look at verse 4. Then the flood would have swept us away, the torrent would have gone over us, then over us would have gone the raging waters. Now, in the ancient Israeli mind, the symbol of water and the sea or floods are symbols for chaos and evil. They were people of the land. They were not people of the sea. And so the imagery of water is often associated with chaos and evil. And so the author is imagining a time that if God had not been on our side, they would have been flooded or inundated with chaos and evil. The image of a flood here, which could spark in the Middle East easily with torrential rain and the idea of sweeping us over or washing us away is the image that he draws on. Even we've seen or saw recently images and pictures of this sort of reality when the dam broke in Midland and suddenly the land was saturated or flooded with chaos and water. The psalmist imagines that that is what life would be like for the people of God if God was not on their side. His reminder or his encouragement for us then in how he calls us to engage the reality of fear and anxiety is he calls us that we need to be a people that ponder together the favor of God. What does life look like without God? It's an interesting exercise that he does here. Oftentimes we're taught within the circles of faith that in order to remind ourselves of God's favor, we look back at certain moments where we've seen God's faithful hand and his intervention. That's a good exercise for communities to do. It's good for you even in your life to remind yourself of moments where God was specifically faithful. But the psalmist here is using a different technique. He's not just imagining what life, he's not just thinking back to moments where God was faithful. He was imagining what life would be like if God wasn't faithful and in that remembering God's favor being upon his people. What would your life be like if God did not intervene in your life? It's when sometimes we think of that that we're reminded that God has shown us his favor and that he is, in fact, for us. I call this practice the if-it-wasn't-for-Jesus moment. Right? Maybe you've had this sort of conversation. I, I had a conversation actually with some friends several weeks ago, and we were uh, enjoying just the time of fellowship and life and dinner, and we were kind of talking, and the, kinda, the conversation kind of turned to some of our past experiences and foibles and regrets. And one of the, the good things, I think, about uh, 
growing in Christian community is you can grow to a place of vulnerability with one another where you don't just share your best self but also your worst self and there's something authentic about that where we can then turn and see and express God uh, in, in a unique way in that season. But we were sitting and we were kind of recounting some of these aspects of our lives and struggles and issues and mistakes and all that and, and I forget who exactly said it at the table but there was just this moment where somebody said, man, if it wasn't for Jesus, I'd be a mess. How many of you can feel that way this morning? You can testify, if Jesus didn't step into my life, if it wasn't for Jesus, man, I would be a disaster. All right? If it wasn't for Jesus, I'm pretty sure I wouldn't be married right now. If it wasn't for Jesus, I'd probably be more of a selfish jerk than I already am. If it wasn't for Jesus, and you can fill in the blank, right? All of us, for the most part, who've encountered Christ can look back at our life in moments and say, man, if God didn't intervene there, if God didn't step into my story at that moment, if God didn't show up in that way, who knows where I would be? And essentially, that's what the psalmist is saying for the community here. If God wasn't for us, man, we would be overrun and we would be overtaken. And it causes him to be reminded and to ponder that God's favor is actually among his people. It's important within our lives for us to take time and ponder together what our stories look like with God at the center. When you recount the story of your life, do you recount God's favor? Do you look back and see him at work in your story, guiding you and leading you for his purposes? That's an important practice because what often leads to fear and anxiety within our hearts and within our lives is when we look at our story and we put ourselves at the center. You and I are not designed to be the center of our own stories. We carry too much. We are not meant to carry that sort of weight. But when we place ourselves and our focus on ourselves, often it's what can cause us to rise in fear and anxiety because we recognize how vulnerable, how weak we are, how threatened we are by the simplest things. Yet when we look back and we see God's intervention and his working, when we ponder together his favor, it causes us to look away from ourselves and to focus on him. And when we do that, when we look back at the past, we ponder God's favor, it moves us really to the second part of the psalm, what we see in verse 6. The psalmist writes, Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth, we have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken, and we have escaped. The psalm shifts from remembering God's past interventions to now moving towards giving God present praise. Notice, he's recounted what life would be like without God on his side. And that moves him to begin praising God. The shift happens in six. Blessed be the Lord. A simple statement of praise. When we take time to recount God's favor and we see his interaction in our lives, it leads us then to move to a place where we praise him for his protection. That's the second thing that we need to see in this text, that one of the ways we can help move and not be communities consumed by fear and anxiety but are reminded that we have God's favor and protection is we praise God for his protection. 
The metaphor that the psalmist picks up here is one of a bird trapped by prey or in a snare. The image is that this is someone who is helpless, that without the intervention of something stronger to break the snare or to rescue the prey from the predator, then he is going to be consumed. But the praise is given that there was intervention, that there was rescue on behalf of this weak creature. If you want to find yourself in the text, that's right where you are. You are not the powerful predator. You are the prey. You are the bird trapped in the throes of sin and evil where God's enemies stand against you. But praise God, God intervenes and he rescues us from that place and he brings us into his protection. Colossians reminds us that God has redeemed us from the kingdom of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his beloved son. God has rescued us. And therefore, we can praise him for his protection over us. Now, I know what you're thinking, right? Because oftentimes, many of you have experienced things in your life where it says, well, it sure didn't feel like God protected me from that. Maybe you've experienced horrible things. And it's hard then to praise God for his protection. But I think, again, we have to be careful because the praise for God's protection is not just his protection in the temporal. It's his protection in the eternal. It's that God has actually protected us in Christ from the worst thing on earth, which is separation from him. You see, if you're in Christ Jesus this morning, you need to be reminded of God's protection of you. And his protection is this, that this life is the worst that it gets. This life, if you are in Jesus, is the worst that it gets. You see, the story that God promises to his people is one of eternal redemption, where he will bring them into the new heavens and the new earth, where they will live in a perfect place in intimate relationship with him, enjoying his presence and goodness, where there is no more sickness or death, where there is no more evil or injustice. That's the promise for those who are in Christ Jesus. That is God's eternal protection. And so although God allows suffering in the temporal, the reminder is that we can praise God because he has protected us in the eternal. That if we are in Jesus, we will enjoy his favor together. And that should lead us then to be people of praise. That even when we face fears and anxiety, we can still turn towards God in praise. Because what is the worst that can happen? If you are in Christ Jesus, the worst thing that can happen is you die, and then you get eternity with him. We should be thankful and gracious that God has protected us in this way in Christ Jesus. And that leads us then to be people of praise. And praise is a powerful weapon against fear and anxiety. When we take time to praise God, it allows us to deal with our fear and anxiety in the right way. I was reminded of the power of praise just as several 
months ago. I'm reminded of it often, but I remember this one specific moment in this season of COVID. It was right when quarantine, a few weeks after quarantine started, and there was still so much unknown. I still feel like there's so much unknown, but at the time, there was so much unknown with what was happening and and so many changes so rapidly. And I started to get really consumed with just fear and anxiety. I was reading the statistics daily. I was trying to figure out what it meant for us as a church and family and life. And we were in a whole new area. We just hadn't been here very long. And I literally just started to get like, like physically anxious. So much so that my wife was like, Jacob, you're literally like bringing a cloud over our house. Like you, you need to like go spend some time with Jesus, figure something out. Cause I just like can't be around you right now because I, I literally like my physical presence was like, maybe some of you have experienced that in this season. Like it was, I was just like carrying it physically. She was like, get out of my house, go take a walk, do what you got to do, like figure it out. So I grabbed my headphones and I grabbed my, my phone and I headed out to Heritage Park and um, I popped it in and I, and I just started to take a walk and I put on some worship music and I started to just praise. And, and it, was, it was amazing in that moment what happened. Just a simple walk with some simple worship music and suddenly just beginning to praise God, I could literally begin to feel the fear and anxiety just start to wash off me. I started to feel kind of the peace begin to flow and my heart to kind of re-center and, and literally just in that time with the Lord, with intimate connection with him, it was like my whole perspective changed. And, and it reminds me, praise is powerful. It's powerful because when we praise God, we root ourselves in his reality, not our own reality. You see, part of the problem that we struggle when it comes to fear and anxiety is we get in our own heads and we start to imagine scenarios. We start to think and, and we start to dwell on the worst case scenario. Anybody a worst case scenario person? Like, yes, thank you. I got some hands. You're with me, right? Like, you, you just imagine it. All of a sudden, it's like one little thing and the whole world's falling apart tomorrow. And you're like, what is going on, right? Because we, we laser in in ourselves. But praise, when we take time to praise God, to be reminded of his favor, to step in and be reminded of his protection, it takes our eyes off ourselves and it puts them where they ultimately are meant to be, right? Praise removes our minds from our social media feeds. It takes our minds off our 24-hour cable news networks. It takes our minds off the daily inundated anxious messages that we get all the time. And it puts our thoughts where they should be with on our God who is eternal, with on our God who is in control. Praise opens our hearts to be flooded with his love and his presence over us. Praise allows our perspectives to be changed. And it's why it's such an important tool. And so my encouragement is, like the psalm says here, when you find yourself in a place of fear and anxiety, don't turn towards yourself, turn towards praise. And this is why community is such an intricate and necessary part of how we live life, because there are times where it is hard to do that on your own. There are times where it seems so dark that you need the help of your community to come around and remind one another that God is a protector, that he is good, and to praise alongside of you. That's why this psalm, I love it, is it's a reminder. It is a song sung in community. Praise helps us be communities that are unanxious presences in a world riddled with anxiety. So we must be people who seek praise. And so the next time 
you're in that place of anxiety, don't turn to your phone. Don't turn to the next CNN article. Turn to God's word and begin to praise him. Say, blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey, who has rescued us from the snare of the fowlers. Remind yourself of his present protection. And then finally, move towards putting your trust in God. Look how this psalm ends in verse 8. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Notice the flow of the text, right? Notice how it builds because I want you to see there's a pattern here that helps you and helps us together be communities that are not held hostage to fear and anxiety. He moves from first pondering God's intervention and favor in the past. It moves him to begin praising God in the present for his protection. And then it ends with statement of future trust, to put his trust and put our trust in the Lord. It ends with that true declaration. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Notice, our help. Again, the community is reminded and emphasized that God is for his people. And as because he's for his people, he is powerful in his oversight over him, over them, and he can be trusted. He is the creator. He holds the power, and therefore we can trust him. And so the psalmist encourages us to put our trust in the Lord. But how do we know? How do we know that we can trust in God? Well, not only do we know because of the past intervention, not only do we know because of his present protection, but we can hold fast to the future trust ultimately because of what God has done in Christ Jesus. This verse reminds me, and this psalm reminds me of one of the great passages where Paul picks up the same idea in Romans chapter 8. And he reminds us that if God is on our side, we genuinely do have nothing to fear. When he writes in Romans 8, 31, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? How do we know God is for us? He answers in 32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? How can we know that God is for us? How can we know he's on our side? Because he was willing to give his own son to rescue us and to bring us into relationship with himself. Therefore, who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. So who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress? or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword as it is written for your sake we are being killed all the day long we are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered no in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us for I am sure that neither death 
nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. How do we know God is for us? Because he has given us his son. And in his son, we are brought into eternal relationship with him, secure in his presence. You know, when my boys were little, they would sometimes get scared at night, as most little kids do. And so maybe they'd hear a noise or something would happen, and they would come into our room and they would say, I'm scared. And I'd give them that great fatherly answer, there's nothing to worry about, go back to bed. I'm a one grump in the middle of the night. You can ask my wife about that. But my wife, who is much more gracious and loving, would often respond with a much greater sense of care. And although you could assuage them and remind them and say, hey, kids, don't worry. There's nothing in the closet. There's nothing to be afraid of. You know what they wanted more than anything in that moment? They wanted our presence. And they would say, can I, can I just climb into your bed? Can I just come and lay with you? Because when you're in the throes of fear and anxiety, you just want presence from someone more powerful than you. But what Romans reminds us is that in Christ Jesus, God has brought us into his presence. He's shown us his favor. He's held us close to his side. And he said, listen, nothing can separate you. There's no evil. There's no power. There's no enemy. Not even death itself can separate you from my love in Christ Jesus. And he assures us, you have my favor. You have my protection. Therefore, you don't have to be. see, we, we have a God who's brought us to himself. And therefore, we don't have to live with fear. We don't have to be afraid of COVID-19. It cannot separate you from the love of Jesus Christ. You do not have to be afraid of death. If you are in Jesus, you have the hope of resurrection. He, it cannot separate you from his love and the eternity God has for you. And so, in those moments where you feel that pull towards fear, where you feel anxiety start to rise, run to the Lord. Be reminded that he is for you. Be reminded that he has intervened and will continue to intervene in your life. Be reminded of his protection and ultimately be reminded of his presence. And then you can say, our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And I think if we truly would begin to grasp and live in that reality, we would create communities of people that look so different from the world around us. Because while they're riddled over fear, fear of sickness, fear of death, we could live free, free to love, free to serve, free to care, free to help. We could be unanxious presences in a world riddled with anxiety. So my prayer for you and I this morning is that you would be reminded that God is for you. 
that if you are in Christ Jesus this morning, he has brought you into his presence. And because of that, you have God on your side and you have nothing to fear. Nothing can separate you from his love in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we stop for a moment and we say thank you to you. That when we were in the snare, when we were in the grip of sin, of Satan, and of death, you, out of your love, came on a rescue mission to pay the penalty that we deserved and to rise again to defeat our foes. And that because of that, we can have assurance right now in this moment that you are for us. Not only are you for us, you're with us, present right now. Leading us to places of peace and joy and faith and hope. And so God, I pray right now, even just for those in this room who may be riddled with fear and anxiety, who might be having questions, who maybe came in carrying the weight of the world, I pray right now that you would remind them of your presence. That if they are in Christ Jesus, you are with them. So Holy Spirit, would you just begin to work? Remind us of what we have in Christ. Would you replace fear with faith in this place this morning? Would you replace anxiety with trust? Would you bring peace? And even in that, God, as we reflect and remind it, would you lead that lead us to just be a people of praise that praise you and declare that we put our trust in you because our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Even now as we sing, Spirit, would you just continue to work and focus our eyes and our hearts and minds on Christ Jesus and his magnificent love, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head over to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.